Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today we are going to be reviewing the film documentary that was released this year, Boys State. It got a lot of buzz and really captured our attention, so we are going to be here discussing this film today. Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? Yes. A thousand 17-year-old boys from Texas joined together to build a representative government from the ground up. Okay. So, in true sweet fashion, let's start off with our own summaries for Boy State. I went in a weird direction. Ooh, now that I'm, I'm rereading <laughs> my, my sentence, I'm like, this really... This is really not a summary. This is just the thing that I feel was very important to point out. Okay. Uh, but mine is proof that solving a Rubik's Cube is a talent worthy of celebration. <laughs> the whole talent show like montage was just <laughs> kind of an, a weird, quirky thing that they included in. Yes. It was amazing. <laughs> I also love that there was a guy there that did interpretive dance. Like that was yeah. incredible. Way to go, guys. <laughs> Not only did they uh, show the actual talent show, but also the auditions, because <laughs> apparently this is like high school musical meets documentary about Boy State. <laughs> it's very serious. He's he's here for politics, but all he wants to do is be able to solve a Rubik's Cube and be loved I mean, for it. He did it with some really impressive flair. Like, <laughs> and, and imagine you have like a thousand teenagers staring at you while you're yeah. trying to do it on stage. Like, that's a lot of pressure. Well yeah, done, buddy. That is terrifying. Also, there's just like the, the dexterity of his hands to be able to do it yeah. that quickly was impressive. Yeah. I was, yes. I was really blown away by that kid. Me, me too. I'm glad we're talking about really the heart <laughs> of this film, first and foremost. You know, the true message. The most- the most important part of the film is the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> I love that that just left you with such a lasting impression and has really changed changed you. What an yeah, experience. It, was, it, it, really, it really touched me deep in my soul. <laughs> All right. So my summary is looking at the documentary as a whole, and it is a film whose genre should have been documentary horror. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm excited to talk about this uh, this documentary with you today. I know that it's gotten a lot of conversations in the film and media world, and very differing perspectives from from a lot of the folks that are talking about this film as well, which is is actually really fascinating to me. Um, so I'm curious to know where you stand with it. So let's start off with initial thoughts of Boy State. Yeah, um, I I really struggled with this one. Um, I I couldn't sit still, and I kept getting up, and like I would go and like get a snack, and then I would have to like pause it again and like go get up and wash my dish, and like I I kept finding reasons to like step away from the film, and I think it doesn't have to do really with the film itself, like it's, it's, it's well made, like I, I appreciated what the um, filmmakers tried to do. And it was a, a really fascinating look at this group of kids and this social experiment. But I think, I think that I struggled with it just because I am exhausted, and mm-hmm. just kind of fed up with politics in general. So watching almost two hours of these teenage boys, you know, debase themselves with politics and Mm -hmm. and the mudslinging that goes with it and all the political calculations that go into it and like the boys will be boys stuff that was in there too. Like I just, I I, I couldn't do it. (laughs) I was just, (laughs) I'm so tired that I struggled to get through it. Um, but I, I I kept thinking, like, if if this had been made or this had been released, like, three years ago, 
I probably would have been all over it. I'd have been like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And you wouldn't have been able to like tear me away from the screen. But I think just with our political climate now, I am so disgusted with politics that I want nothing to do with anything resembling politics at this point in time. Mm. Yeah, your body is just truly saturated with it. There, It can take no more. Yeah. <laughs> no more can go yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's really fascinating that this was released at a time and in a year where we have an election and, uh, you know, we are all, I think as the, the public just kind of steeped in political news, um, more so than any other year as well. So the, the parallels or the relevance of this feels like such a time as this. Uh, but I, I hear your sentiment as well of just, man, this is, uh, this is more, more to consume. Um, I am particularly fascinated about this piece of work because it has gotten so many differing perspectives and differing reactions to, to the stories that have been told and, and the, the kind of arcs that were displayed. Uh, by the various uh, people and kids in this film. Um, you know, I have some folks that found this an incredibly inspiring uh, piece of work where they were able to see the bonds that were made between friends and the inspiration that is Stephen Garza and Renee Otera and just that there were these glimmers of hope. Um, some folks really clung on to that piece and that was kind of the pulp heart of this and the big takeaway for them. And then others have talked a lot about how this was difficult to watch, um, to see hundreds of young boys kind of parroting the conservative, you know, slogans and kind of talking passionately about issues that they, they may not have researched fully or known deeply enough to have such a a impassioned uh, rhetoric about it and um, I think both of those both of those reactions and both of those components are totally woven together in this in this documentary so I can see why some clung onto certain pieces more than others my general sentiment is that I found it horrifying to watch these young high schoolers be I think cynical is not the right word, but it, it's kind of getting at the sentiment that I feel, which is that the the youth of our times should be almost the ones that are, are able to um, fight for what is good and to see things clearly, not in a naive way, but a lot of what Stephen Garza represents, which is this grit and tenacity to want to change things for good and to believe that they can do that in a way that is authentic and raw and honest. And um, I think his uh, foil in the film, which is Ben Feinstein, I don't, I can't, I don't remember the specifics of his last name, but Ben's, what Ben portrays, which is just this full leaning into the political mudslinging and debasement and kind of using cheap tactics to um, to win the election. You know, I, it just is, it's kind of tragic to watch these young, young boys who are, who are you know, just only 16, 17-year-olds um, believe that that is the way that this world works and that is the tactic that they plan to fully use. So... I just found it uh, disheartening to watch while there are some really great inspirational moments as well. Yeah, I, I think that you and I probably uh, have the same takeaway <laughs> from this film of just like, oh, Lord, what is the world coming to? Mm -hmm. um, but I I do appreciate that. I I think for me, I I walked away from this film having to really like examine myself like if I had watched this three years ago, it didn't exist, but had it existed and had I watched it like three years ago, mm -hmm. I would have been rooting for Ben, honestly. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, yes, you play the game and you win the game, bro. Like whatever mm -hmm. it takes, because you're in it. It's a competition. You got to win. And so now, like even just a few years later, 
I'm looking at Ben and I'm so, you know, sorrowful that he chose that route. Um, I do appreciate that they didn't, they didn't fully make him into this like Mm -hmm. villain character. You know, they could have like taken it really, really far to an extreme, but you could see how he, he started out like wanting to be integrous and he wanted to do the right thing and do what he believed in. And then along the course, he got, he got caught up in it and Mm -hmm. then he wanted to win the game, which, which I get we're competitive people. It's nice to win. Um, but it was interesting to kind of go on that journey with him and see how his idealism in the beginning of this week kind of crashed and burned by the end so that he could be victorious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think that's one thing that I really appreciate about this, this uh, documentary is that it doesn't portray any of the characters as truly, you know, thin and just pure evil villainous. They, they incorporate so much depth and complexity to a lot of the characters especially the ones that at first you know we kind of have a like uh negative reaction to I really appreciated Robert's arc and the way that they wove in a lot of dimensions to his perspectives um the moments of little moments of maturity that he displayed when Stephen won and really cheering for him and um Mm -hmm. advocating for him it was there is, and, and like human beings, there is no true villainous character. You know, we don't have the Disney villain in this. And I loved that they they gave each character both, each, I guess like character is the wrong word, but each, each person, each mm-hmm. kid, uh, the proper uh, three-dimensional view that they deserved. Yeah, I had to I had to keep reminding myself like these are real human yes. beings. Like they actually did this yeah. and this was what they were actually doing at 17. Mm-hmm. Like I just I had to keep reminding myself that these are these are real humans. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Um all right, so what shall we dive into first? I think we kind of started touching on um kind of our initial gut reactions, but what do we want to dive into first? One thing that I kept wondering is, because this is boy state, so a thousand plus boys all together for a week, what does the girls state situation look like? And how do you think that would go? Would that be, you know, just as politically entrenched as this one was? Do you think it would be harder to watch, easier to watch? Like, what do you think a girl's state would look like? I had the same running thought in my mind, like, okay, we've seen one gender's version of this. What could the other look like? And the other running question I had in my mind was, while from a like logistical perspective of running a camp with for a week, um, I can see why it's easier to separate by gender. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it's detrimental and and I honestly think there's a lot of really great added benefits to have it truly be co-ed because that's how our um society works today we are integrated together and I think it would have offered interesting learning moments for how to work with the other gender and maybe like um I don't know just a little bit more true to life like I didn't understand fully the need to separate them out into boy state and girl state but but you got to yeah. remember they're 17 year olds yeah. like that would just derail the entire thing. Then the Mm -hmm. boys would be showing off for the girls. Like even less would get done. It would be even more of a shit show than boy state was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, gosh, I can't even imagine what a girl state would look like and the, the types of personalities that would be drawn to going to a camp like that. Yeah. And, and I was even thinking like, so in in Boy State, the the two biggest issues that they talked about was gun rights and abortion. Granted, mm-hmm. it is Texas. A largely white, largely conservative group of boys were there. So it, yeah, I guess it makes sense. So then I was wondering, what would the issues of Girl State be? Mm. Would it be? I don't know. I didn't know what it would be. If it would 
if abortion would be one of them. Uh, and I guess it would also depend like regionally where you're at too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was just an interesting thought of what would a girl's state be like? Mm-hmm. I also had that same similar thought when Robert was up giving his first speech um, mm-hmm. when he was running for governor and he, he makes like a, a – you know, inappropriate joke and all the boys are laughing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, I wondered what the, in a, in a girl state, what would be those tactics that people, the girls would use to kind of uh, speak to or relate to or um, what did they think would resonate with an audience mm-hmm. full of women? The same way that Robert thought that that was funny and that's you know, it was this moment of charisma that he thought could um, garner some laughs and, you know, connect with the audience. Yeah, yeah. I'm. That's a good. That's a good question. I don't know. I also haven't hung around with very many teenagers lately, so I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. It's. I'm sure that a teenage girl's experience now is very different than mine was when I was a teenager many moons ago. So I have no clue what it would be like. Yeah. um, Along that same vein, I found it really fascinating and uh, not surprising that the use of social media was a big tactic that was used by both both parties, the Federalists and the Nationalists. Um, And specifically, like, the the, – tactics used were very much, you know, pop culture types of humor. There was a lot of memes and gifs. Um, So it was interesting to see the 17-year-old boy version of what, you know, essentially political ads are. Um, And it's an Instagram account with lots of gifs and memes that are funny, but (laughs) I thought that was very accurate. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um... I don't know. I I was kind of putting myself in like the mindset of, okay, if I am hosting this and I have all of these teenagers and they're supposed to do a thing, like, I don't know. I, I think in my maybe old fashioned mind, I, uh, I, I would maybe put parameters around social media use. Like you can't use social media in order to, Mm. I don't know, further this, but maybe then that's putting Uh, number one, unrealistic expectations on a bunch of teenagers. How are you going to police that? But also number two, like maybe that's excluding some variables from this Mm -hmm. experiment, you know, because in in real life we have political ads everywhere. So I don't know, maybe that was the thought process to allow them more tools for their (laughs) campaign goals. I don't know. I was Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And to see what they what they gravitate to. Um, yeah, I think one of the interesting moments is when, um, I believe it was the Federalist Party that looked up uh, Stephen Garza's Instagram account and discovered mm-hmm. that he had helped organize a march for our lives um, in somewhere in Texas, I want to say. And they kept using that against him over and over again. But, it, you know, social media was a way that they, quote unquote, dug into his past to, to find some dirt. Yeah, which, man, that's just it's clever. You gotta give it to it's them. It's just, you know? it's <laughs> so slimy. Like that's yeah. just, ugh. I hate politics so much right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so messed up to bring up somebody's past and then to twist it because, like, that's what they did. It wasn't just yeah. like, oh, he did this thing. I wonder why but they were bringing in quotes from other people that weren't him and assuming things about him, which happens in politics. But it was kind of validating though, to see how Steven called them out and kind of shut Mm. them down when he did that. I was like, yes, you get them buddy. Good job. In such a graceful, elegant, gracious way as well. Yeah. Again, a 17 year old boy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that was horrifying about this entire piece of work. All of the details, like the social media usage. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the Impeach Renee account that was also created and just the that story arc in general throughout the 
the piece of work was uh, just terrible to watch. But um, I think what's most horrifying is not necessarily this uh, documentary as a standalone piece of work, but just the fact that it parallels so much of reality mm-hmm. and and then the fact that this is, you know, our youth and what's supposed to be the next generation um, who, I mean, at, in your high school years, you've, yeah, you've been exposed to social pressures and whatnot, but that the level of uh, cynicism and just the the lowly tactics that were used was just I, I I don't know just difficult to watch when it's you know the youth the next generation who's doing the exact same things that we are doing with our full grown adults um, it's I think that that's what makes it most terrifying is the parallels to reality yeah it's I I'm very intrigued by the people who took away like the heartwarming aspects from this film because that's what I was looking for. That's what I wanted. And so like, as I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, I'm ready for hope. I'm ready for something happy and heartwarming. And then it just got worse. And I was like, well, this is depressing. I don't like this. (laughs) You know, when I saw the, uh, you know, the movie posters for this and kind of read the IMDb summary, that's actually what I thought it was going to be I didn't really read too much in it and didn't have a lot of context in in what it was about beyond a bunch of boys create a mock government um and so I I actually thought it was going to be like an inspirational piece of work I think in the on the movie poster you have Stephen Garza like looking off into the distance and it just looks very inspiring and whatnot um and so I thought it was going to be this like the kids can do it better here's what we could mm-hmm. do, you know, like here's our next generation. Here's how kids have managed to compromise and work together. And Stephen mentions that in a lot of his speeches, like this is our chance to show what we can do to the adults. And uh, nope, I think like minute five, I was like, this is this is not this is not that. Yeah, <laughs> nope. exactly. It's like, oh man, okay, buckle in for a depressing ride. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, I want to talk about Renee Otera, and I think there's just so much to unpack there. So I'm I'm curious your perspectives on the role that he specifically plays in this and the way that he is treated. I'm curious your perspectives. I adored Renee. He was by far my favorite. Uh I was rooting for him from the first second that we saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, like every time he was on the screen, I was like, yes, go Renee. You can do anything. Um, and I, I was so impressed with how he handled himself mm-hmm. and he had such poise um, with such um, so much against him, so many people against him. And he just, he just took it and he was like, you know what? I know that I can do this. And he did a great job. I was really, really impressed with him. I was also, he had so many really thoughtful lines that he said. And again, a 17 year old boy is this well-spoken. I was just, I was amazed by him. Um, But I, I think one of, one of the biggest things that I, that I was struck by with him was at at the beginning when we're first introduced to him he's telling us about an exchange that he had with his mom where his mom was like hey this sounds like a really conservative place like just call me when you need to leave and Mm. just the bravery that like him and Stephen Garza and like so many of these other um young men of different ethnicities um of a different potential ideological bent than the vast majority of wealthy white Texans, um, just their courage to put themselves through an experience like this. Um, I think that that was just really remarkable. And I love that Renee was able to take so much from this and it helped him better understand himself and others. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think he said, uh, I, I came into this thinking that this was going to be a conservative propaganda camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he ended it with saying, you know, it's a really good thing for progressives like me to come to this and just yeah. understand and, and talk to people here. Um, that level of maturity is, it's, it's. I mean, for a 17-year-old kid, it's it's so impressive. Yeah. I I absolutely adored him as well. He is so wise and was able to see things so clearly. I think one of his most memorable lines is towards the end, he's talking about Ben and, mm-hmm. you know, the tactics that he use, uses. And uh, he says, Ben is a fantastic politician, but I don't know if that's a good thing. Um and I, I, th- I think that was a, a fascinating line and um, just shows that he understands the heart of politics and, and knows how to be in that world but not be um, of that world. And just the amount of – the way that Renee is treated and from, from the impeachment account – impeach Renee Instagram account that was created against him from the very beginning and the way he held his head high and just asked, okay, who else would like to impeach me? And Mm -hmm. the graciousness that he displayed, but also, you know, the, some of the attacks against him were incredibly racist and to see him have such a determined, confidence even despite all of that is I don't it just speaks a lot to his character and so I'm I'm very grateful that the creators of this documentary included all of those moments and didn't shy away from them um I I loved that they they were willing to go there and uh didn't back up but didn't back down yeah and what a what a lesson that you know, so often we'll think that like, oh, this is what, what everybody thinks. And when you actually get to the numbers, it's like, nope, it was just a really, really loud minority. Like Mm. sit down, let's keep it moving. Like I just, I, to me that, that, that was so profound that he, he knew that it wasn't an entire room against him and he didn't, he didn't fear the room but he knew like, okay, we're going to get this out of the way and move on so that we could actually get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, it was just so good. Yes. Yes. Oh, what a gem of a young man. Yes. All right. Should we talk about Robert? Fascinating. Oh, Robert. Fascinating. Oh, arc. Rob. I, I think Rob, Rob, Robert, Rob, Rob's art. <laughs> perfectly portrays the way that this documentary is willing to and intentional about leaning into all of the dimensions of these of these kids and Mm -hmm. uh, not taking what you see at face value I think um he you know at the very beginning you're like oh gosh here's another loud obnoxious young teenage boy who doesn't really know what he believes in and is just, you know, barking away and is viewing, you know, this his whole run towards becoming governor as a popularity contest. Um, and when he doesn't have the majority and he considers resigning um, so that all of his support can go to Stephen – and then the moments of maturity where he is willing to advocate and support and graciously allow Stephen to take it forward and is and is behind him, you know, it really adds these glimmers of of uh, of maturity, of potential, mm-hmm. of growth in him. And uh, I I loved that I loved his addition to this because I think it adds a lot more complexity to what easily could have been um, a very biased perspective that the creators are portraying and painting of the kids that are at this camp and I think for for me um Robert in the beginning uh he he matched what I saw from a lot of the 
the white guys that were there was they were just there to have fun and goof off. And, you know, they, they got in because they are privileged because of, you know, all of these other reasons, but they, they weren't there really to take it seriously. Um, and I think that that was one of the things that I noticed right off the bat was that a lot of the, a lot of the white guys were just screwing around and mm-hmm. just kind of, I don't know, riding on the coattails of whatever successes. Um, and so I did appreciate that, that Robert, we got to see that other side of him. Um, but I was still so disheartened by him um, just because his, his takeaways of like, I don't want to lie. I don't want politicians to lie, but I lied because I thought it would help me win. So I get why politicians do it. Like that, the fact that that was his takeaway, I was like, ah, could you take it a step further? You understand why politicians do it. You don't like that it's done. Maybe you shouldn't lie. Just, (laughs) but he wasn't willing to take it that extra step. So I just, I, I appreciated the complexity, but I, I wished that he would have taken it one step further, but you know, maybe again, like he's a 17 year old boy. So maybe it's just, he's not in a place in his life where he can take that a step further. Um, He's just excited about his truck. (laughs) He's excited about his truck. He's excited to go to, what was it? West point. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got his plan. He's going to work his plan. Good luck, Robert. Hope you're doing great. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I just, I wish he had taken it one step further, but maybe that'll come with time. I agree. I think what gives me um, a little bit of hope for the way that he will grow is his ability to identify and and so clearly pinpoint his own intentions yes. and also the what he has observed around him and the rea- honestly the realities of the system. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it it took a level of authenticity and vulnerability for him to admit that in the interviews and you know he's he knows that this is going to be aired and for him to say so point blank like I lied and that's because I Mm -hmm. thought that that's what I needed to do um you know just that rawness that he displayed I think was quite impressive so um gives me a little bit of hope that one step is waiting for him maybe it'll happen when he's in his 20s <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> but one thing I did wonder, you know, you're 17 when you record this. It comes out 2 years later. Yeah. How would you react to to seeing this? Like I wonder if if they have watched it and how how they've processed through you have your own internal monologue while you're in a situation. And I wonder how their internal monologue actually matches up with what is shown in the film. Um, and if any of them have really had to grapple with, you know, any discrepancies there. Yeah. I do wonder about that. Um, I think with, you know, reality TV in general, most of the time um, people that are involved in television shows are consenting adults and they're Mm -hmm. typically old enough to know what they're getting themselves into sometimes you know reality tv for of younger kids happens but you know for somebody like ben is as he becomes wiser and Mm -hmm. has changed his perspectives on how he views politics is he going to regret that this piece of work is out there um with him you know using some kind of sleazy tactics you know it just it's, I would, uh, as a parent of his, I would not have sent my child to this thing to be on a documentary that will exist forever and ever. You wouldn't have signed all the release forms. No. (laughs) They would have had to blur out your kid's face in the background. I'm like, I don't know how my kid is going to behave at this. And I don't know if I want that in their (laughs) record, you know, (laughs) who could say what little Johnny will do? <laughs> but I mean, honestly, they could get jobs from all of this. I mean, even mm-hmm. Ben, like 
shoot, he could get a job if he wanted to yeah. just from this. True. Yeah. All right, should we talk about Steven? Steven. Good old Steven. He's like... He's like the perf. He's like the Luke Skywalker of this movie. <laughs> You're like you are just so good to the core, and I am just rooting for you, and I want you to win at the end. I I low key loved the fact that, well, I guess loved is the wrong word. How do I portray this? I think it was accurate, more accurate that he did not end up winning at the end. I yes. think it would have been a too yep. idealized version of this. And, you know, it would have, been, it would have been the inspirational Boy State movie that we thought we were going to watch from looking at the movie posters. But I think it this this piece of work has so much more to say with him not sweeping the, the votes and um, being beloved by the entire Boy State camp. I think it was a lot. Uh, yeah, I just I, I appreciated that he didn't win because I feel like this it this has so much more that it can now say and more to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been way too happy and such like a Disney movie ending if he had won. Yeah. Much to my chagrin. <laughs> yeah, I actually I I thought that that's where they were gonna go. Um. Mm. So, yeah, I was surprised that uh, Eddie won because I thought that, you know, all right, we're on this journey and you've you've kind of characterized Steve in this way and uh, gotten us as the audience to really connect with him and root mm-hmm. for him. Like I thought that that was going to come to fruition. And I, I appreciated that it didn't nope. in that moment when they announced Eddie's name. Yeah. Nope. It's just like life. Sometimes. Yep. The outcomes are disappointing. Yep. Just got to deal with it. (laughs) Yes. I think one of the things that was was really impressive about Stephen's portrayal and just his actions that he takes over the course of this, this documentary is the amount of humility he displays and like that servant Mm -hmm. heart and that servant leadership for a 17 year old kid to push so much of his own ego aside and just go up to people that are like playing soccer or playing tossing around a football and just say, I want to know what your views are and what you care about because Mm -hmm. I want to know that I am representing you and I want this to be authentic. That is so hard to do in the social dynamics and social pressures of being like a teenager. Um, and I, I, I think one of the things that is hopeful indeed about Boy State is the number of people that really did respond to his raw yeah. authenticity and warmth and humility. Um, that gives me a lot of hope. Like those, those kids knew what to appreciate and, and how to, um, get behind this gem of a human, and I, I think that that's why this 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 whole piece of work is just woven together. This horrifying and tragic, and also inspirational, <laughs> hopeful at the same time. Because you see those people that are really connected with Stephen would go up to him after the the elections or the events and say, like, I really love all that you stand for, and you're such a good guy, Stephen. Those for those are some good moments. <laughs> And I just, I I was impressed at the end, like, like you see, like, Eddie and and Ben celebrating and all of this, but I was just amazed at how many people were going up to Steven and speaking to him and saying how much he, he meant to them and Mm -hmm. how Steven's actions had impacted them. So like, even though like Ben and Eddie, like they won, whatever, um, Stephen made so much more of a lasting impact on people's mm-hmm. lives. Uh, I thought that that was just, I don't know, that was something really special. Like I, I feel like so often, especially in our, you know, social media days and, and how we're so focused so easily on ourselves, there's something so important about being able to sit with somebody, look them face to face and just 
learn about who they are and connect with them as a human being. And sadly, we've, we've lost a lot of that. And I love that Stephen was able to tap into that and really make people feel seen and heard mm-hmm. and understood. And that's what led to him being as successful as he was. Yes, that's so true. And I think while some of one takeaway that you could have from this piece of work is, um, or, you know, being a, a boy at this camp is that, well, the ones that play dirty are the ones that ended up winning. But it was encouraging to see that for some young men that did attend this and were in the presence and and alongside Stephen, their takeaway is going to be, look what leadership could look like, look what mm-hmm. politics could yeah. look like, like this is what I want to fight for. And if those, that, if that subset of young men mobilize and go out and have now, and now have this picture of what could be possible, that's just as powerful too. And that I think that's the hopeful part of this is they've gotten a glimpse of, of what this could look like and they can, they can now go and be that in their own individual communities, at their own schools and in their own districts and counties at some point. So, Yeah. It's so positive of you. I'm so proud. <laughs> well done. You know, the bad guys win, but uh, there's still some lots of good, too. <laughs> you had to find a silver lining. Yeah, we had to. <laughs> so one of the things that I found um, kind of interesting about the way that this program is designed in general is the fact that it was only one week long, long which felt actually very, very fast to me for a lot of this to play out. Um, But also that there was the focus for the entire week on the process of the election. Um, I think that, that, that makes sense for the learning goals that they had, which is to teach these young men about the way that counties and districts work and parties and whatnot and about the different roles. But it the whole time while watching this, I was thinking about a TV show that aired uh, many years ago. It had a lot of controversy because there were some like really questionable legal decisions that were made, but it was called Kid Nation. And it was essentially, I think they sent about 40 kids to this ghost town in somewhere in the Midwest. And they essentially had to create a mock government. It was very Lord of the Flies-esque. And, you know, they had a series of challenges every week and based on the results of the challenge, like you were assigned different roles, you could um, elect different people to hand out currency. You should research this. It's incredibly fascinating. It's I. It's not legal. Like a, a lot of really questionable things about sending kids to a ghost town and like filming them. Some of them are only like seven or eight years old up until like what? 15. Yeah, it's. It's jacked up, but one of the really interesting things about that program or that that show, I guess, um, was that there were clear implications for every decision that was made, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that that changes the platforms that you might run on or the the types of tactics you might use and things like that. You know, I, I feel like by focusing only on the election part and not the governing part or the implications of what happens next, there's a lot more focus as we saw in this documentary on charisma and your presence on the stage and selling yourself and your confidence and your aura, which is so much what the elections are about today now as well. But I thought it would be interesting to think about like, what if this program was three weeks long Yes, the first week you are um, running, but something about the platform you run on or things like that actually have implications later on. I, I wondered if that would change the way that people would approach this or that the young men, um, you know, what their, their, I think their strategies might be slightly different because by focusing only on the election, a lot of it's just hypothetical. It's like a big hype contest to see who can sell themselves best, right? Yeah, and I I think that the that week does have some of that with the what with what goes on in the house cuz they had mm-hmm. to 
draft legislation, present bills and vote on it. Um, But they, for this, the purposes of this documentary, they were just focused on the the politics side of it. But I, I think you're right. And I think that that plays into part of my, my struggle with it. Um, Just, just because in our, in our real lives, I've been, I've just been so appalled that politics has really seeped in and kind of in some ways like corrupted our government. And now it's not about governing and seeing what happens, but it's just politics 24 seven, 365 days a year. Um, so I think, I think while this was good and it shows us in an inside look at politics, maybe from a different perspective, I would be really interested to see maybe like the, the governing side of it. And what does it look like? Like when they were building their, their party platforms, like what was important to them? What were they discussing? You know, how are they working together to solve those issues? Like, I think that that would also be really interesting to see, Mm -hmm. but you know, you can only fit so much into one documentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree because I think that Well, one of the open questions that I had throughout watching this was how does the program help teach these young men about Mm -hmm. how politics could work or what a more hopeful system could look like? Um, it, it yeah. almost feels like they've, they bring all these, these young men together and kind of let it run its course. And maybe we just don't see these parts, but is there a moment where they get to look back on their week and see what, how they might have changed things or what could have helped make this a less corrupt process or, you know, like, is there guidance and, um, refinement and nurturing that happens? Or is it just like, well, we'll see what these 1100 kids end up doing and just let it go yeah yeah at at the end one of my lingering questions was similar and it was what was the point of that whole experience Mm -hmm. like does it is it just because like it looks good on your resume is it you know I don't know to help you get into a school like does it actually provide um some real benefit some tangible benefit um for these kids going forward. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Because I think there's a risk of uh, these young men becoming more jaded or believing mm-hmm. that this is how politics should work and learning the wrong thing. Um, you know, without the guidance, and I almost envision like bumpers on a bowling lane, like how do we guide them <laughs> so that they can see what the heart of the systems that we have set up should have been. And then also how they can easily be corrupted. Like, I think that's a valuable experience to go through, but without that, that last piece of, okay, how do we do this better? If we were to do this again, how do we do this better? The takeaway is just, all right, well, I guess this is how it works. And, you know, but for Ben in this experience, what he has taken away could potentially have been, I played, it a little sleazy and it worked effectively for me. I think he has a line where he says it in one of the interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, said, yeah. you know, political the, the tactics, the cheap tactics, like, yeah, they're not that great, but they also work. And but ultimately, they work. Yep. yeah, he's like, ultimately it's about winning. And they're like, oh, well, I hope that's not your only takeaway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who, who knows? I guess, I guess time will tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another running question I had in my mind while watching this was how much of the portrayal of these young men is truly accurate versus has been manipulated by the producers or, um, mm-hmm. you know, sh- been shaped by the way that they have been the clips have been edited together and the clips that have been chosen to stay in versus the ones that are left out. I, that's also an open question that we just don't know. We're just getting the final, final product. Yep. And that's, you know, that's the issue with all documentaries, basically trying to determine, you know, trying to spot the bias so that you, 
you can form your opinions, you know, appropriately. Um, I don't know. I, I, this one felt pretty balanced to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Like they, I feel like they could have, they could have turned any of these humans into a caricature at any point in time. And I feel like they, they tried not to um, as best as they could, but yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, from a very logistical, tactical perspective, um, I saw someone comment like, how many kids storylines did they have to follow in mm-hmm. order to have this one happen to shake out so perfectly? Like, did they just have tons yeah. and tons of footage and they happened to get all the right clips and then cut this, this specific arc together? Cause there is a clear arc and all the pieces seem to be there. And like, what is the coincidence of that actually happening? Um, <laughs> it's a good, good logistical question that I don't know the answer to. Like, man, how much research did they have to do before this in order mm-hmm. to hopefully identify? Because they had, you know, footage before this week happened of what Ben, Stephen, and Robert. So the fact that they were able to identify those three even before everybody converged at Boy State was, man, they must have done a lot of research and, like you said, gotten a lot of footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if they look, they, they essentially focused on the 12, I think it was like 12, 10 to 12 that candidates that were running for governor from the very beginning or that they, the ones that were saying that they were going to and just followed them and then, you know, Mm. gradually they I, I don't know I feel like it helps narrow down their scope a little bit yeah that could be yeah I don't know mm. these are good questions yeah they also didn't include much about Eddie which was also an interesting decision mm-hmm. we get no real backstory or not too much about him yeah yeah, I I found that really interesting too. And I I also thought that that was another I don't know, an, another way to show how things happen in the real world too. You know, sometimes it's it's the the behind the scenes people are the ones that are determining like the party platform and all of these things and helping get candidates elected. Mm. And so it cares more about the people that are actually crafting the platform than sometimes the candidates themselves it's not always how it works Mm. but just showing how vital those those party chair positions truly are in shaping our nation um yeah Mm. very interesting yeah they've kind of spotlighted like here's all that happens and how much influence these roles that you may not know about yet 17 year old (laughs) kid um how much influence they have beyond just what's in the spotlight or, you know, the household name that, you know. Yeah. And I did, I appreciated that both Renee and Ben eventually understood that. And they were like, okay, if I want to make wide scale change and I want Mm -hmm. to really be a person of influence, this is my spot. I don't need to be the governor. I can do it from here. And I just, I, I appreciated their self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you see that in Ben pretty early on, um, mm-hmm. that moment of maturity from him. Like I don't, maybe I don't need to yeah. be in the spotlight, but this could be my place and the best place for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to be the one out, you know, shaking hands, trying to get votes, but he could help other people get elected. I think he says at one point, which was very endearing, he's like, you know, I'm not the like rah-rah type of guy that's going to be out there jumping in a crowd. That's just not me. It's like, I'm the more intellectual. Well, mm-hmm. I think he said like, I'm the more intellectual type. <laughs> you know, it's, I feel like a lot of 17 year olds don't have very much self-awareness, but all four of these guys had <laughs> some pretty solid self-awareness. Yeah, agreed. That'll take them far. Yeah, it sure will. 
hopefully in one way or <laughs> another one direction yeah, or the it's a very good thing <laughs> so like yeah more people need that for sure mm-hmm. all right any other last thoughts on boys state i just at the risk of of wading into some mm, dicey waters i just <laughs> thought that it was very interesting their focus on guns and abortion, mm-hmm. a bunch of 17 year old boys and all that was going on in the world in 2018. And those were the two issues that they wanted to talk about over and over and over again, constantly hammering in gun rights and being against abortion. And that was fascinating to me. It made me wonder how much the home life is a big influencing factor in mm. in shaping their perspectives, their rhetoric. Um, you know, as a 17-year-old, maybe you are very well read and have researched into a lot of this and like have the um, depth to back up a lot of these convictions that you have. Uh, but I think a lot of times, too, the home life and what you hear from your parents at the dinner table or, you know, maybe just what you're consuming on the media from what's on TV at home is, like, such a huge, just, like, incubator for your own perspectives that I I did mm-hmm. wonder, like, where where is this coming from? Where is the yeah. root of this? Because there's so much conviction behind it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it was just, again, it was just fascinating to me. And I I realized that 2018 feels like an eternity ago at this point in time, but like of all the things currently happening in the world, like even back in 2018, of all the things going on, like those were your two most important things. Like, Mm I don't know. And just in, in the political season, like as, as people are talking about politics, like that's one of my favorite things to ask people is like, okay, what are your most important issues? And I feel like that's such an important question that reveals so much about your beliefs and, and just, you know, why you do what you do. So it was just, it was fascinating from these, Mm -hmm. from these boys, but you're probably right. It probably has a lot to do with where they were raised and how they were raised and, and some of the conversations that are happening around them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and made me wonder, like, what does the New York version of Boy State look like? Yes. Or, you know, yeah, in a different location and region of the country, those issues mm-hmm. would probably be very different. Yeah. Actually. Or what if, like, in a in a more in a more purple state, you know, mm-hmm. like, what would that be like? Or a a more racially diverse state, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like you could you could do the same thing in a bunch of different states and, and come up with some very interesting results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe, well, I would have to confirm this because I just saw it very briefly while looking up this program, but I believe that this program exists in many, many Mm -hmm. states, right? Yeah. There's like a ton of these little boy states. Yeah. Which who knew? I had no idea that this existed. (laughs) I was like, would 17-year-old me have wanted to do this? I don't know. I think it would have been fun. But also, being around like 1,100 girls probably wouldn't have been my most favorite thing in the world. So, I don't know. It's probably for the best. I think it's a really smart idea to to really like immerse young students in this um like I I have such Mm -hmm. fond memories of doing mock trials back in school and like really having to soak in it and live it out and you know understand what potential um arguments that the defense might have and what it's like to be a witness like there there's so much like of the experiential learning that I think is really really cool and really great about this um, but again, the guidance also has to be there as well in order for this to be learned properly versus learned wrong in the wrong direction. See, what I so love is that we both really enjoyed mock trials in the school for completely different reasons because Ooh. I just wanted to win. 
So that, that was it. I got to argue with people and I got to be right and I got to win. Like, oh, man. it was the best. <laughs> really I remember I, I would always be upset when I was assigned a witness because I always felt like that was not exciting and the most boring mm. role. But alas. <laughs> Thankfully, those days are over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very true. I remember we would like get to wear the robe, like the judge would wear a robe and have a gavel. Ooh. Like it was, they tried, wow. they really tried to make it feel like we were in court and we had the right setup. Like you sat on this side and this other side and the witnesses were like, had to walk up to the little, to the little chair sitting at the front of the room. <laughs> oh, dang. Y'all's was legit. <laughs> yeah. Mine wasn't that fancy. <laughs> Oh, man. Good times. Mm -hmm. All right. I have one last quick thought, which is that it was really uh, jarring to me, but also, you know, again, very much parallel to to, uh, reality. The the immediate rhetoric that almost both parties had from the, you know, it's like day one of this around Mm -hmm. dominating the other party or demolishing them or – you know, there's just so much focus on on the concept of it's going to be our party and we are all mm-hmm. a team and we need to kill the other team. Um, and I, I wondered if there was some just inherent like psychology behind when you are truly like randomly assigned to a hypothetical team that somehow you just begin to – I don't know, adopt that like herd mentality as you hear it over and over again, because it's, you know, our party system is, is defined a lot by the values and belief systems that you have and your, your, your stances on issues. And in this hypothetical boy state, it was a randomly assigned group of two teams. Um, so I don't know if there's like the game mentality that played into that as well, but it was fascinating to see that rhetoric from the very beginning just be so strong, just a very aggressive um, mm. tone. Yeah, and I I did wonder if if that was partially because they were guys, and so <laughs> you know they have that like competitive like crush them, we're gonna dominate yeah. <laughs> like that whole thing. Um, but I also did. I also thought that it was fascinating that they immediately were like, okay, yeah, we're against them. I don't know what we're for, but (laughs) that don't matter. We're against them. And that's the most important thing, Um, which is so much of what we see today anyway. It's it's less about, oh, I care about this thing and more about, no, I just want to win. But it, it also, one of the things that I've been wondering lately is, you know, we, uh, we only have basically a two party system. And when the film started, it showed that, that quote from George Washington about the, the perils of a two party system. Mm. And so I wondered how this would have gone if they split them up into more than just two parties, Mm. how would it have worked if they had three, four five, six parties, like some Mm. other, you know, Western countries do, um, how would that experience have changed? Yeah, that's fascinating. Or if they they were they were kind of one big conglomerate of 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 kids, and they were able to organically form their own individual like cohorts or parties um, by finding way like where there's there's already synergy around their their views and perspectives like i wonder how this would have played out because i mean already we see that crush them rhetoric in a randomly assigned group of two teams essentially and our current party system is not randomly assigned like that so you can imagine Mm -hmm. that that mentality is just even more potent in reality than it is in this hypothetical system so yeah i wonder if if they had left them truly up to their own devices to f- figure out how they were going to form their party systems, how, how that might've played out. Yeah. I did appreciate that. They, they, uh, they randomly assigned them just mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I, I think it was, it was 
uh, was it Steven? No, it was probably Renee that was like, I came with all of my like liberal stuff just to like freak <laughs> everybody out. But I, I loved that, you know, they had to all wear the the same boy state shirt. And regardless of your personal politics, you were forced to work with people that don't see eye to eye with you and disagree with you. So I think if they had left them to their own devices, it would have just lined up with you know, conservative and liberal the way that we have today. So I do appreciate that it was random and it did force them to work with others. Um, Mm -hmm. I just wondered, is there a different way that they could have done it? Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they had to go through the exercise of figuring out how to draft up their party's platform and Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure that was great. Yeah. So interesting. What a fascinating uh, social experiment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. And, man, we'll, we'll see what happens from here. Maybe mm-hmm. the hopeful people will be right after all. And, you know, maybe there's, there's hope for the future. Yes. Uh, well, well, we'll bank on that. Yeah, putting, we're, we're putting we're our money there. Cross our fingers and yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of the recent film documentary Boys State. It is available on Apple TV Plus, and uh, there's so much to chew on, mull over with this with this documentary. So we highly recommend checking it out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our Strategic Whimsy Experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse a little whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review, letting us know you enjoyed today's episode. Connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week to discuss the horror film, a a true horror film this time, A Quiet (laughs) Place. And uh, we have a very special guest joining us. So uh, we hope you guys have an amazing week and we will see you next week.